0: We are all probably over-indexed in public equities or stocks, right? Like our 401ks, our Roths, our IRAs, everything is based on public stocks. Everything else is considered an alternative investment. Of the ultra high net worth individuals, people that have $30 million or more, 81% invest half
1: of their money in alternatives. You're listening to the Independent Mom Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to own your finances, reimagine your motherhood, and live a wealthy life with or without a partner. And I'm your host, Ariel Dean. All right, let's dive in. Hey, Independent Moms, welcome back to another episode. Today, I sat down with Stephanie Dorsey to talk about one of the biggest ways that the wealthy build their wealth, but yet it's not often talked about, alternative investing. We talk about how this is different from solely investing in stocks and how her company, Margins Capital, is making it easier for all of us to participate. So I'll give you a little bit of background on Stephanie Dorsey. Stephanie A. Dorsey is the co-founder and CEO of Margins Capital, an alternative investment index fund that is leveling the playing field for Black Indigenous people of color. Stephanie started her career as a medical malpractice defense attorney for a mid-sized law firm in Baltimore, Maryland. After two years of practice, she realized that she was more interested in how her clients operated rather than resolving the legal issues that they faced. To test this theory, she left the law and joined the Peace Corps to become a small business volunteer. While in Ecuador, she taught Afro-Ecuadorians microfinance and helped start community banks with three women's groups. When Stephanie completed her two-year assignment with the Peace Corps, she pursued her MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. After business school, Stephanie joined ING Direct, the country's largest online bank at that time. She stayed on through Capital One's acquisition and found a passion for technology and product management. In November 2021, she was recruited to take on a new challenge as the chief product officer of Metric Collective, the number one lead generation portal in franchising. When deciding what to do next, Stephanie focused on finding a solution to a problem that hit close to home. She founded Marden's Capital so that people like her who have historically been excluded from the alternative investment ecosystem could have access to investing in alternatives. Stephanie is also a dear friend from business school, and I am so excited by the work she is doing and the opportunity to expand the investing options and wealth for more people of color. So let's get started. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for joining on the Independent Mom podcast. I am super excited to have you on. Um, I just went through your bio. You've had quite a journey from being an attorney to the Peace Corps to business school. <laughs> um, and I think it's always really interesting to start and understand. How did you think about making those leaps and jumps and changes um, at each different point in your trajectory? And we'll get to your latest leap and change and innovation in your life. Um, But I'd love for you to talk a little bit about some of that evolution of going from one place to another.
0: Yeah. So I grew up in the 80s and um, Claire Huxtable was absolutely my idol. Like I wanted to be her in all the ways. And so- I found that she, this, I, I charted at, from a younger age anyway, I charted my career goals and, and plans after like who she was. It's like, Oh, Claire went to an mm. HBCU. I too will go to HBCU. <laughs> oh, Claire is a lawyer. <laughs> Boom. I too will be a lawyer. But then I got to practicing law and I was like, Oh, wow. I am really good at school, but I don't love this. I, I, I didn't love it <laughs> at all. And, and and at first I thought it was the first year blues. And then and it was like, I'm in the second year and I'm like, I still got the blues. And, <laughs> and, I, and I, frankly, I was miserable. And my current business partner and slash best friend was the one that gave me permission to like, okay, let's take, maybe you could do something different. And then there's also this wonderful experience um, that I just remember this woman and it helped me a lot. And and it actually foreshadowed to where I am today in terms of how I, now I, all the shoulds and the conditioning Mm -hmm. that was placed on our life, I question it all. But this woman, I was interviewing her in preparation for a case that I was um, working on and uh, preparation for a deposition. And she's a nurse and um, she was named in the case and I wanted her to walk me through her CV uh, just standard. Let's be prepared. I don't want any, you know, qu- any, uh, you know, gotchas to come up or whatever. And so she was walking me through her CV, and she went to nursing school, and then she decided to go, you know, back home. And then she worked for a year or two, and then she decided I want to be a camp nurse. And I'm like a camp. She was like, No, oh, yeah, a nurse for summer camps, the sleepaway for camps. Camp. And like, okay. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> and then so she was like, I like 50 <laughs> resumes, and I got hired in one in Maine, and I went there. So I spent a few summers there and it was great. And then I came home and then I went to this other hospital and the doctor and some of the other nurses had studied at the International People's College in Denmark. And I was like, never heard of this. Like, what do they study? She was like, Oh, you know, people like, I was like, well, okay. Um, <laughs> so, me. But anyway, she moved to Denmark and she studied at the college. She met a man This man was Japanese. This was a white woman. This man was Japanese, and she saved up her money to go to Japan to be with him and and teach English, where she did that for a couple years. And then they got married and moved to Indianapolis. I remember this like I interviewed her in (laughs) two thousand and five, so I still remember this to this day. Then they decided to work on a Native American reservation in New Mexico right oh my lord (laughs) you see what i'm saying and i'm sitting there and i'm talking to her and i'm like yo like wow right and it's challenged (laughs) me um like i was thinking like gosh i really wish i could live the life that this nurse had lived Mm. and um and i was thinking like gosh i really wish I could live mm-hmm. like her. And mind you, I'm 25. Like, now it's this age, if a 25-year-old is told us that, or actually, I guess I was 27, going on 27, I would, like, shake them. Like, girl, you can do whatever you want. Like, what are you talking <laughs> you about? You can't, right? <laughs> you really can't have this life. And, but at the time, I mean, you know, as you can imagine, I just invested in law school and I've only been practicing for a couple of years. But I found that my question turned into, like, it turned into, um... I wish I could live back to, why can't you do that? Mm. And then it turned into like, well, oh, well, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I was like, yeah. i never asked myself this question. I'm 27. I've never asked That's that. That's still pretty early. I feel like some of us don't ask that and we can
1: be 40, right? Right, right.
0: <laughs> um, and uh, it's funny. I, I thought about going, like the nurse, thought about going to Japan to teach English. but um, And it was my best friend who was like, well, why don't you join the Peace Corps? And I'm like, have we met? Like, I am a city girl. They're like, Peace Corps? <laughs> the Peace Corps is for hippie, tree-hugging, dig digging liberals. <laughs> I am like, no, like I'm not doing that. But then I did some more research and I realized like, oh, wow, like this would be kind of cool. And so I joined the Peace Corps and I lived in Ecuador for a couple of years, did microfinance there. And then you asked about and and there was another inflection point because um, as a first generation college graduate, I knew I wanted to go to business school, but I thought I was being a little wasteful, a little self-indulgent. Um, by giving a second professional degree, it's like, girl, and ironically, (laughs) I knew I wanted, I was interested in entrepreneurship and I, and one of my classmates from law school, still a good friend of mine to the day was like, you know, you don't have to go to business school to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, true, but I know nothing. Like, I don't even know how to use Excel. Like, right. uh, I. (laughs) I need the foundational knowledge. I don't know any of these things and so that was another eventually like I gave myself permission to go to business school and you and I met. And then I think I mean those are the major inflection points in in my yeah. career. I think everything else um I it's not completely true I mean because this entrepreneurship was and also mm-hmm. Was a way of I look at it as like God pushing me off the out the nest, like girl, like girl, like what what is you doing, <laughs> what like you doing? <laughs> what is <Right>. you? <laughs> and so I I love it. I I after business school, you know, I went to Kellogg and and then I went to excuse me, um, ING Direct acquired by Capital One, and then I took a leap of faith and joined one of our classmates who had bought into um, a smaller company and um he's ever the salesman who told me of us taking over the world using technology and i was like yeah like i'm I'm about it right it's so exciting and then i get there and he's like the strategy has like pivoted and and it it happens right with a smaller company you're raising money and so um we separated and that was i i was when I started to look out in the marketplace for what is the next problem I want to solve, like as a product manager, I mean, really that's what I do. Right. I pick a problem, Mm -hmm, I solve a problem mm -hmm. and then I create a product for customers solving that problem. And nothing was appealing. Nothing was appealing. Mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh, this really kind of sucks. But I I say like us separating, me separating what, what, metric collective allowed me the space again, uh, what is that? Mm-hmm. Seventeen years later, to ask myself, wow.
1: what would I do if I had my druthers? And then- yeah, yeah, I I love what you said about giving yourself permission because I think we often don't do that. We often are like, well, I'm on the path. I've got the degree. I was supposed to do this thing, and so having that person give you the inspiration to say, actually. I do have the degree and the education. Maybe I actually could and should be living more of this life that I want to live and give myself permission to do it. And I love that it happened at 27 and then it happened later in life. We won't take happened later in life. But I think checking in with ourselves consistently on that, right? Like, what am I doing right now? Is this really what I want to do? Is this how I want to be doing it? Because it's so easy to just keep doing right keep selling keep achieving keep sort of checking those boxes exactly. and so I think that is really interesting
0: and, and to be clear so, that's what I did for 11 years after business yeah. school I was like oh, well maybe you know I won't be an entrepreneur or maybe I won't be the CEO I'll be the person behind the CEO I'll just be on the mm-hmm, leadership team mm-hmm. and and you start to continue like dim your light, dim your dreams, you mute your dreams a little bit more and more um, until thankfully God intervened in my case.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, and especially right when there's motherhood, right? You start to have all these other responsibilities and you think, well now, you know, the ship has sailed. And so what I love is that you are embracing that. And so I want to talk a little bit about sort of that move. So you talked about you realize going into another product management role wasn't right. How did you get to what you're doing right now? And talk to us a little bit about margins capital and what that's all about. Yes.
0: And since we're going to start probably talking a little bit more about margins and alternatives, I'm going to read a disclaimer. <laughs> Just uh, yes, The lawyer in me is making the CEO in me like, girl, you need to read this disclaimer. So, Anything I say today is for informational purposes, is not intended to be relied on as a forecast, research, investment advice, and it is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell securities or adopt an investment strategy. I'm just sharing my experiences and what I've learned to date. So, 100%, yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for indulging me yeah so how did we get here how did i end up like choosing margins so the the guy that i went to work for he is i'm just gonna say it independently wealthy and uh he had a friend who was raising a second round for his venture capital fund and he was like hey do you know any high net worth individuals like he knew i did but like he was probably like like You should go ask Michelle (laughs) if she wants to invest in this thing. But he didn't say that. (laughs) Oh, Michelle is my best friend and business partner. But um, it's funny what I love about this story and about how this whole um, these events transpired was never at that time did I even once think about myself as a Mm. person that could invest in in this fund. But again, my best friend business partner was in a position that I you know I she and I talk very candidly and openly about our finances so I knew where she was and I knew that she shouldn't mm-hmm. look into it and so I brought it to her and then be, but because like she's a dentist I'm an MBA so she's asking me my advice and what is it and how mm-hmm. does it work and all of this stuff and I'm explaining to her and eventually I'm like huh I would like to invest in this thing. I would like an opportunity. They they seem to be doing really great work. I she literally had me read her living apartment uh partnership <laughs> agreement for her. Like she had me wow. review all the documentation, all their pitch and decks and all that, like to advise her. And I was like, Oh, this seems pretty cool. And now <laughs> mind you, I had just separated from Metro Collective. So I was unemployed, yeah. technically. You could say sabbatical, but, uh, you know. And, uh, but All I was right like, there. you know what? I still think this is a good opportunity for me. And so I asked her, like, can I contribute and give you some money to put in? And she was, you know, like, yeah, of course. Okay, now, now I take that information to, I have a group chat, <laughs> but in this particular group chat, which we call the fit, shout out to Divinity, Um, these are all women who are in the tech space and who we all make, we're all similar. Like some are a little higher, some make a little more, some make a little less, but for the most part, we're, we're all, we were all in that, you know, 175 K to 225 K, uh, salary band range, uh, range at the time. And, um, and I was telling them about this and they, but you could just tell by the types of questions um, the tone of the questions that they were asking, but they were absolutely interested and mm-hmm. absolutely wanted to be a part of this as well. Like, how do I get to invest in venture capital? And these are some of the women that I didn't know anything about crypto, and they taught me about crypto to invest <laughs> in crypto. Like, so these are mm-hmm. investors, right? Yeah. And actually, none of them have children, so they're the um, Henrys, high earning, no, oh, yes. <laughs> kids, something, you know what I mean? Uh, like, whatever. Yes. Um, they, they got <laughs> yes. more money than we got because we got kids. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, and I was just annoyed that I didn't have better news hmm. for them, that I couldn't figure out a way to get them. I couldn't leverage my network or, uh, you know, leverage what I knew to get them access. And and I was like, this mm. is an overlooked untapped demographic that are completely ignored and with my research I just realized like I I find that people who make the top two to twenty percent of earners completely ignored. Like if you think about yeah. banks or who who's talking to who, they're either talking to the ultra wealthy, the top you know, yep. one yep. percenters, and then they're talking to the people mm-hmm. who, who need different types of financial help. Even if you look at, you know, financial advisors on, on online or whatever. And so, um, Marge's Capital was created to be an answer to that. It was, Mm. it is an index, we plan to offer an index fund to allow folks who want to, to invest at their comfort level in alternative markets. And I use the term index fund because I'm targeting um, uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, also women. Um, mm-hmm. who have historically been left out, hence the name Margin. So they don't necessarily have the education. They also don't have the risk tolerance. Um, hmm. But it's a, it's really an educational thing. They don't know about it. So they're like, ooh, I, 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 you know, I'm not going to put all my eggs in the venture basket. I'm not going to put all my eggs in the private equity basket. The thought is, well, let's Create a product where you can just get exposure to alternatives and we will get, not myself, (laughs) I will hire a chief investment officer (laughs) um, leveraging, again, leveraging my network to give you best in class investment strategy and management of your dollars. And they will allocate your dollars to different asset classes and alternatives, be it real estate and private equity and private debt and so forth.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to So expand a little bit on alternative assets, right? So I think most of us are probably familiar with investing in stocks, maybe even investing in real estate. So how is this support complementary or, or what exactly does that mean?
0: Yeah, so um, we are all probably over-indexed in public equities or stocks, right? Like our 401ks, our Roths, our IRAs, our index funds, Everything is based on public stocks or public equities. Mm-hmm. Everything else other than stocks, bonds, and cash, everything else is considered an alternative investment and so what is an alternative investment so obviously we we've heard a lot about venture capital, private equity, excuse me yeah private equity, even real estate right we We know about yeah. you know real estate deals, but it goes beyond that it It could be vintage cars. It could be fine art.
1: Mm-hmm. It could be
0: wine. It could be... Um, I, I, one of your guests talked about investing in Broadway shows. I know. It could be all of those those different things. Basically anything that you can't buy and sell on Robin Hood or on the stock market mm-hmm. is... And it's an investment that will add value, that will have value. Like memorabilia. Like All those action figures yeah. that are in the plastic that you can't take out, all of those (laughs) things are considered alternatives. And there's just an opportunity, I think. um, There's a shift in the market where they're calling it democratization. So basically they're Mm -hmm. trying to open this up because I'm not the only one, I'm, I'm smart, but I'm not the only one with the idea to open this up to more than just the ultra wealthy or folks with high net worth. But the difference is uh, a lot of people, at least what I've seen, are not targeting the BIPOC community or women. And
1: yeah. that's what margins
0: have yeah. been.
1: Yeah. So what what makes the, like, when you talk about, like, sort of targeting the community, what do you think is some of the barriers or misconceptions to women and people of color getting access, right? Some of it's probably just awareness and knowledge to your point, but are there other things that maybe people aren't aware of or they don't fully understand?
0: Yeah. So I'm going to answer this, um, question. There are real barriers and then there are imaginary barriers that I think Perceived. the industry, yes. that the industry yeah. has about, about us as a market. The real barriers are that typically, if you invest in a fund, a venture capital fund or a private equity fund, be, the way that the funds are set up, they're only allowed to have like a hundred investors. Short, otherwise they have to register with the SEC, spend a lot of money, do all this thing, you know, all of this, or they can just get their homies together and invest mm-hmm. with a hundred people and get and pay a lawyer, um, you know. $35,000 or $40,000 to set up the fund right. rather than, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So mm-hmm. because of that, they're only, they only have a hundred blocks and they're trying to get mm-hmm. to 25 million, a million, hundred million, right? So they got to yeah. take big checks. So the average, so the fund, the venture capital fund that my best friend and I invested in um, at the time For an individual investor, you had to invest $200,000. Now they've raised that Mm -hmm. um, initial investment to $250,000. And that is par for the course. That is average, right? So the first barrier to entry is can we write those big checks? And if we can, do we feel comfortable writing those big checks? Because that is putting a, a lot of eggs in one basket. That's true. Right? Yeah. So that's that's the the first barrier. The second barrier is the SEC, in an attempt to protect investors, they have this thing called, you have to be an accredited investor. And to be an accredited Mm -hmm. investor, you have to either, as an individual, make $200,000 a year for the to previous two years and think, you know, obviously you're gonna to continue to make it that.
1: Continuing. Or
0: yeah. if you're married, if the number is $300,000 a year. Now, I am a lawyer, I am an MBA. At the time that my friend reached out to me, other than the fact, let's just take take away the fact that I was unemployed. But before I was unemployed, <laughs> right. I still was not an accredited investor. And it's like, right. hey, SCP, you're protecting the wrong person. I don't need you. I don't need your help. Mm-hmm. But I was still effectively shut out. Yeah. So, a lot yeah. of people are getting shut out because they have chosen whatever field they've chosen. I mean, we, we will not talk about the fact that I probably should have negotiated more and left my job earlier to get more money. But, you know what I mean? So, there are all kinds yeah. of reasons why someone may or may not be making uh two hundred K a year.
1: So, they... Is there a frequency of investing as well that makes you an accredited investor like do you have to have been investing for a certain amount of time or is it just an income level
0: it's just an income so, level exactly. um which i mean it's, it's, it's simple right it's, a, it's it's yeah but it unfortunately leaves a lot of people out but it is a simple way um to determine whether or not you meet the criteria Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. if you don't make $200,000, you could put, potentially be a qualified purchaser and you will have a net worth of $5 million <laughs> Right. That could <laughs> yeah, be you. Exactly. That could be you, girl. <laughs> and you'll be all right. But if you don't have that, yes. if you don't have that, you're uh-huh. shut up. You're shut up. The third thing, because there are four things, right? So we talked about money. Mm-hmm. We talked about credit. The SEC, we, um, the third thing is... I mean, I alluded to this before is like, there's this education gap. Like how do you know if you should be investing in real estate versus private credit versus private equity versus early mm. stage venture capital versus like late, you know what I mean? Like middle stage. Yeah, like, yeah. These are things that you've never been asked before. Um, if you're not in the investment space, right. If you don't work in finance, right. Exactly. Like You're not thinking about this on a daily basis. Why would you, right? And so that can be intimidating, right? And you could think like, oh gosh, I, and you can easily, I could see someone falling into analysis paralysis or just like, I'm intimidated. I'm walking away. I don't know what this is. It's not for me. And so Mm -hmm. that's why Margin is uh, creating an index fund um, type product to overcome that. And then the last thing is, networks like so we went to the school where we i can know a guy who knows a guy but Mm -hmm. if you didn't get your mba or you didn't go to a school where people were actually you know doing these type of things like how would you meet them unless you were like independently wealthy and had a um a, a wealth advisor from Chase or yeah. or something Morgan Morgan Stanley, but if you're if you're not if you you know if you don't fall into that bucket, there's an access issue, there's a network issue, mm-hmm. um, and so those four reasons are real reasons why yeah, um, yeah. our community is not investing. Um, <clears throat> and an alternative, however, there are some perceived reasons. That, like, yes, I
1: think that's often the case.
0: Right, I think um, the industry thinks that the retail consumer will be too needy, like, and so there's a they call it a distribution problem. So there's there isn't a way, or there hasn't been a way until now, um, for them to make it make sense to. Go hand because right, right now they're calling people on the phone and they're setting up meetings. And they, that's old school. way yeah. And you have these meetings. And if you if you have people that are only writing two and three or four and five thousand dollar checks and they only feel comfortable mm-hmm. with that, mm-hmm. the math doesn't work in terms of the time you have to spend right. talking right. to them and educating them on what this thing yeah. uh, what this thing is. Assumption though that retail customers will be really needy and they will need you to hold their hands. There's also the assumption that, um, I think we're just forgotten. I think they forget that black people and people of color are making more money than
1: yes,
0: they're not, everyone's we're not like making
1: most educated. They, That's true.
0: I'm like, yes, we're the most educated, like Black women especially, right? Literally, the data says. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think that those old ideologies, those old tropes, those old stereotypes about Black people and people of color are, you know, causing them to ignore us as a population, which is great for me and my business.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so true, but it it's I think sometimes it's both sides of the coin, right, is because historically we have not been given access or understanding. There is such a, to your point, a knowledge gap. Yeah. And so when people think about investing, it's like, oh, that seems really risky or I don't know, like, I don't understand where my money is going. I don't want some other, you know, and so we there's a lot of these. Years, right everything feels safer to just save and budget right but you have to really start to think about how do I actually make my money multiply And that is a lot of what helps to generate wealth but I think to your point lots of us stay away from it as opposed to leaning into it and I know I talk a lot about I talk a lot of, a lot about this with my sister but you know if we if we didn't think it was optional, to learn mm-hmm. investing, right? We I think a lot of us still think of it like, well, you know, I don't really get investing, so I, you know, I'm not really going to get into it. But what if it wasn't an option, right? Like you learned how to buy a house when you decided you wanted a house, right? Or you learned how to do yep. whatever. And so it's a very similar thing. We've got to just be open to it and start thinking about it as a thing that we want and need to do if you want to do it. Um, so I love what you're what you're doing and how you're you're bringing that that forward. How 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 are you then overcoming some of those obstacles with margin? What is some of the the thinking behind that?
0: So you know we wanted to. So the product manager and me wanted to have a proof of concept and like let's just do like a nice little small test and I can see where people are and I can see if I can get traction. Like to see if I, if people are actually even interested. If I if I could find frankly, the people that are Mm -hmm. interested, Um, but uh, the SEC has a wonderful moat around these type of investments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm not mad at it. I'm actually, it's gonna, I think it's gonna help us in the end as registering with the SEC and being, because one of um, our pillars is transparency um, and you can see all of our stuff on the SEC and that's great. And I, and I love yeah, that. Yeah, So, but what we've decided to do is use engagement and basically social media engagement and, and folks joining our wait list as a proxy for traction. So, but what that helps us do is spend a lot of our time and resources and our energy in the next three quarters educating, like providing yeah, yeah. bite-sized free educational nuggets about this thing. Cause I think a one big misconception is you need to be an expert and you don't, because you're not going to be running the private equity fund. You don't need to understand the unit economics of company X, Y, or whatever. Mm Oh, you, there's, Mm -hmm. there's things you need to know in terms of your due diligence, but your due diligence won't look the same as the due diligence of a fund (laughs) manager. And that's, that's a good thing. Right. And so what we want to do is just, I just want to educate folks and say like, hey, there's this thing out here um, that, you know, people are getting bred. Like one of the things that bugs me is people always talk about um, Warren Buffett. And I love Warren Buffett. You know, this is not a poo-poo on Warren Buffett. But they're like, oh, Warren (laughs) Buffett tells me I just need some ETFs and some index funds and I'm good. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Please know that Warren Buffett is investing in private equity, too. Like, please know that Berkshire Hathaway yeah. owns some private companies in their portfolio, which is part of the reason why you can't afford their Class A stock, because it's like mm-hmm. 200 grand or probably even more <laughs> right. um, a share. Like, you know what I mean? But it's like people don't understand that your, your favorite's favorite favorite. <laughs> is getting bred this way. Like, yes, I saw yes. in the statistic, 81% of the ultra, um, ultra high net worth individuals, people that have $30 million or more, 81% invest half of their money in alternatives.
1: Wow. It's like... Wow. It's... I,
0: I do not want to get completely racial, but it's like we're over here like getting our little scraps mm-hmm. and it's like we're making mm-hmm. but our chilies taste really good but they're chilling <laughs> and they're eating <laughs> <Right? porcino. laughs> they're eating duck they're eating like, it's so just because we can make these these hog mods and everything taste good yes. it is still that's
1: what we should keep doing sorry anyway <laughs> no, I, yeah. I mean, need to get on my little some sometimes. That is, it's, it, it, it is why I think it is really important, one, for moms to know and understand this, because then there is the opportunity to actually start to build more generational wealth because yeah. you can't teach what you don't learn. Okay. Right. And if we don't learn it, you can't teach it to your kids. You can't teach it to the next generation. It can't continue to grow. And for all of the things that our parents did, right, they did the best. With what they knew, Absolutely. right, and what they had, and so Absolutely. I always say, like I give tremendous great, uh, appreciation to my parents Absolutely. who made it so that my sisters and I could go to these schools. But now that we've gone, right, and we've learned, we've got to start to implement. We've got to start to move the needle and that's move right. move forward. So that's I right. think that is that is super important. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic. I know, like when. When I taught, I think it was like episode one or two with my sister, mm-hmm. you know, there there are levels to this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we forget sometimes is, sure, yes, first just invest. If all you can do is invest in a regular old stock index fund, start Absolutely. there. But, like, know that there's levels and we can continue to move up those levels as you get a little bit more money and more confidence and, and knowledge along the way.
0: Absolutely. I, you know, and I, I want to just double click on that. Like, there is kind of like this personal finance hygiene that you need to have in order, and you, you know, you need to have your like estate planning, you need to have insurance, yep. you need to have your emergency savings, you need to have. Your, you know, you do need to have, be investing in your 401k at the level that, that makes sense for your, you know, your financial plan and you need to be, have some ETFs and some index funds on the side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then once you get there and you feel like that's rocking and rolling and you're, and you're still getting promoted, you are still getting some extra money. You're still doing some, you know, you know, you're earning some more, you're doing some more savings. Then you can start to play a little bit more to and diversify your your portfolio and alternatives. Yes, I I, yeah, I love yeah. that. I, again, I just want to, this is not alternatives is not an either or. I don't think. I think it's an and.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's yes. an and. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Yes. Um, we, I, I, we talked a lot about obviously, I think what you're doing is super exciting. And so we will definitely link to all that information in the show notes, but I also want to touch on the fact that you said you were unemployed, right? Oh, yeah. You've sort of dabbled with the idea of entrepreneurship and now you've gone to this space that clearly, right, you knew a little bit, but weren't hundred percent, so talk to me a little bit about how you have prepared and are currently in this space right now of becoming an entrepreneur and balancing motherhood and family and why, you know, all those different things as you're going through this process. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I wish that
0: there was a way for you to know, you just, you literally have to jump off the cliff. Like, you, you really do. Um, <laughs> now, I, I did try, you know, to do a little planning. Because um, today is my one-year sabbatical anniversary. And so I... Ooh. Yes, I separated from my old job in March. I licked my wounds for six weeks. And then <laughs> I did. I, you know, you're a type A person. Like, I've never been fired before. Yes. And I was like, ah! Um, But then... Um, I went to, I went and stayed in the Dominican Republic for five weeks. Now, admittedly, mm-hmm. I had this business idea. I remember too on March twenty, excuse me, April twenty eighth, and I was super wow. excited to start working on it. And my culture's was like, "No, your plan, <laughs> your your plan is to go to the DR and relax and be present and just." Be released. Release yeah, you you're not going there to work. P- Productive Patty wanted to go there and work mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. business plan. But I but I'm so happy she had me do that. Um because you know there were some other things that I had to work through before jumping into this that that mm-hmm. time away allowed me to get to, especially specifically me. Learning to trust myself and learning yeah. that I can overcome and do anything. Um, I mm-hmm. I use this metaphor like I am like the ocean, and the ocean can be crazy. Like the ocean is the ocean is tough. Like uh, the ocean can really? tear down. You know what I mean? It can re- wreak havoc, so but it's still very beautiful, and people still come to it. Mm-hmm. And I am strong, just like the ocean. And I had to realize that. And that's going to help me when, um, on Friday, they closed my bank account, uh, my business bank account. And I'm like, ah, I got bills coming out of this thing. Right. And there's all these things that that come up in the, um, when you're an entrepreneur that you can't prepare for, hence the reason why I'm saying you just need to jump. But, um, so me spending that time helped, but I also, um, before I, I really committed so I came back like the the first week in June, um, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to write this business plan, and do some research, <laughs> and you know, c- competitive analysis, and create a revenue model, yeah, yeah. like, and do all the things, right? And to see if this thing really, really has legs, and start talking to people and and getting feedback on it. And yeah. so doing that helped make me feel comfortable as well. That it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay.
1: I think it's okay,
0: right? I I see it. There's I,
1: something it, here, I yeah.
0: Like, exactly, <laughs> but I mean, really, it's um, it's it's ordained for me. Mm-hmm. Um, on the on that. April twenty eighth, when I got the business idea, um, my coach had sent me uh, one of those very dramatic. Um, motivational videos—you know, with the the crazy, dramatic music, and Oprah or Steve Harvey or someone is speaking or whatever—and so Oprah was just like, "Ask the universe what it is that you should be doing with your life.
1: Listen, yeah, listen
0: for it, and then lean in, right?" And I did that. I was like, and I'm driving to this dinner with uh, these other professional women, and um, and I listened to the video, and I was like, I'm on this bridge going into Philly. I'm Like, oh, God, what would you have me do? And I swear to God, the idea came to me right there. Mm, wow, and it was like, oh, huh, oh, oh, right. And uh, I was so excited, I was like, oh my god, oh my god. And I, um, and I, I remember I went to talk to my business partner and best friend about it, um, because. And somehow I knew that she would be interested. I don't know why, but I just knew she would. And <laughs> She's she, your best friend. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and I just remember talking to her the next day, March April 29th, and she was just like, "Absolutely, wow. can you build this thing for hundred grand?" Um, again, and 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 oh oh, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is helpful. Ignorance is a wonderful tool. <laughs> That's uh, true. Because at the time I was like, "Absolutely, I can build it for a hundred grand. Like hundred grand. Like absolutely like, n- little did I know, the SEC would be like, oh, girl, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> like, uh, but she, I could I could build the platform for 100 grand, and I was able to do mm-hmm. that, but, I, but the SEC is like, no, that, that's not how that works. But the beauty about my ignorance is, like, all of those people that I'm talking to, Black and white people, that are mm-hmm. like, wow, well, how are you going to handle distribution? How are you going to do this? Like, how are you going to do that? And they have all those ingrained um you know we talked about those those concerns i guess um about about this demographic i am ignorant enough i to i don't have those
1: yeah i'm
0: coming at it completely i'm not mired in the investment space so i don't have any preconceived notions on what could work or not work i'm just looking at it as i know who my consumer is because it's me frankly mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and I can build something for me I can leverage technology and my
1: network to build something for me so um that's so powerful because it's so easy to think I know because I fall into that trap right like I don't know this space I'm not gonna know it right but almost taking that, Not being mired by what's been done before and how it's done, right? That is actually your opportunity to be the most innovative and creative in this space, and truly ground it in what people need, and that is a lot of what helps to make things more successful, right? When you can think about it from a totally different lens than like, oh, well, we've never seen it like that before, right? I think in. I work in innovation, so I hear that often. But I think that is that's huge. I think yeah. that's a really big that's a very big leg up for you too. Yeah, thank in you. In that area. <laughs> so, how is that translated to uh, right? Obviously, I like to talk about the money. How is that translated to either planning it out or thinking about money? Like, how are you thinking about how will we? How will I balance right this idea of being an entrepreneur and some of what it takes to get things off the ground? with maintaining your, your life? <laughs> like, have you put, how, are you thinking through that or is that much more like as we go, we'll, we'll adjust and, and how are you, how are you guys thinking about that?
0: I, I, th- this is such a good question and I want to be absolutely transparent, especially for your listeners because they need to hear about these different things. I mean, this is, this is so, so real. Um, especially because I am, uh technically, an independent mom, in that i my dad my husband works in education, right, so I am the primary breadwinner, and I manage all the finances um so fortunately, I negotiated a good severance package right
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was able to live um and 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 make this leap and and basically pay myself. For the first ten months of us existing, which mm-hmm. in finance, I mean, is it's part of the course. Actually, you know, paying yourself for the first couple of years is normal. Um,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: did not have enough money to do that. Um, I certainly didn't plan for this. So, um, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I did not have enough money to do that. However. The way we're using, um, it, it, it does help that my business partner is, um, you know, she does well. And so she was able to invest. But I'm also able to leverage, what is it, rollover business startup or something like that. I'm able to leverage my old 401k. So it's R-O-B-S. If you yeah, um, yeah. It, Google that, R-O-B-S the IRS, on um, IRS.gov. And what you can do is at your, if you have a 401k at a previous job, then you can um, use that to roll over to your new company. You start a 401k in your new company and then you can invest that to buy shares of your current company. If you are pre-revenue, which we are, um, I can't use that money to pay me. However, my best my business partner is matching that investment so I can use her money,
1: right, to pay right. me,
0: and so that's and that's what we're doing. And so I'm using part of my four hundred and one k to invest in in my business, and and she's matching that. And I would not, I would be in trouble. I there's no way that yeah, I mean, mortgage mortgage yeah. is going to mortgage, student loans are going to student loans. <laughs> like what. <Right. like, laughs> My my baby likes food, like, you know what I mean? All
1: All those things.
0: All those things I needed (laughs) to be able to earn a salary. And, um, but I am earning, I am not saving right now. I am earning a baseline, Mm. like the lowest salary just to cover my expenses. Um, I'm not traveling like I like to travel. (laughs) I am not doing a lot of things (laughs) I like to do, you know, and sacrifice for the business. But that's how we're paying me.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that. Well, I'll definitely try to link to that in the show notes because I think that is a really, soft, especially if you've poured right a lot of your money into a four hundred one k or even people who have um, just a traditional brokerage, right? you can actually borrow against that money, and so that money can still continue to grow even while you borrow from it, or even if you borrow against it. If you have an like a separate brokerage account, you can't always do it with a four hundred one k. Um, But thinking about other ways, right, that you can get access to that, get access to capital, whether that's grants or funding, right, and thinking creatively about how you can make that happen. Because I do think that is also one of the barriers that keeps a lot of us from doing those things and pursuing other avenues is our inability to have, you know, daddy warbucks who can just front load us or catch us if we fall. But how can we leverage some of those things that we have built up over time, betting on ourselves, right? Yes. That over time, we will be able to pay it back and make more of a, of a return. Yep. Um, so I think that is really, that's really powerful. Yeah.
0: I do want to make one, uh, um, yeah, sorry, one clarification. So you no, can borrow, get your 401k, okay, but this one, the ROBS is literally For using startup. your one k to buy stock in your new company hmm so that's okay. really how it works um it's and you have difference. to have a c-corp but you could borrow if you wanted to and leave your money to continue to work for you or you can just take it out and invest in your new company
1: are you able to and i know we're going a little bit deep but are you able to roll it into a solo 401k or does it have to be because as an entrepreneur you could then do a solo 401k and actually get money on both ends of paying yourself potentially as an employee and as the owner, but that depends on how many employees, right. That I think you have as well.
0: Uh, no, actually. Yes. So yes, you can roll it into the 401k for your business and you can invest it as you would in, in the public markets or you can invest it in your business. Um, and, and, but then there's another way of doing this too, um, which is, Actually, it doesn't work for your business, but, like, it does work for alternatives using the self-directed IRA, which you mm-hmm, can, mm-hmm. As, as a vehicle to invest in other alternative assets. Sorry, that's slightly different than what you're, what you're suggesting. But, um, yeah, so you can have it as in your company, and you can either just manage it as you would normally. Mm-hmm. Um, the company I'm going through, which is called Cashing Fire Funding, there um, the money will be placed in a Charles Schwab account. And I can manage it that way, or I can just say, All right, 100 grand in the margins capital, and they exchange stock. A lot of me. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Interesting. No, that's super interesting. Um, last question before we go into our four fast questions, I just would love to know, what are you sort of, obviously you've gone on a money journey. It seems like money has taken on different place in your life and education. What are you prioritizing as you think about your daughter and what you might want to teach her or show her or, or start to think about in that way?
0: I, you know, frankly, I, I want her to be as knowledgeable as I am about money and I need her to be. Um, the absolute best steward over her portion as possible. I would die a thousand deaths in my grave as (laughs) if she like squandered the wealth I'm creating for her. Um, And we have family members who have squandered um, their wealth. I think I saw a a statistic that 74% of the wealth that is passed on is squandered. And that would just, I would just yeah. die. So what I'm doing with her now is just trying to teach her the value of money. And it starts with, um, you don't need a toy. It's not your birthday or Christmas or like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, um, make she got money for her birthday. So before this birthday, all the money that she ever got is just parked in the savings account. Um, for her, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this time I was like, I'm going to give you, they gave you literally the $60. You're going to have the $60. And so we teach her about waste because six-year-olds waste everything. Like, and <laughs> oh my gosh. So, in the she took a bath and decides to pour all of the, um, the soap mm-hmm. in the, in the tub. And it was my, hus- my husband, my husband's like, that's my soap. I just bought that soap. And so, um, we made her give him $2 of her money. Um, and then, wow, um, we went to for a spring break, we went to Michigan and she was able to take, um, $25 with her or $20 with her or something like that. Maybe 25. And she, and I'm trying to talk to her about like, do you love that thing? Mm-hmm that you're picking up here. Mm-hmm. Like how much do you really, really want it? Because there might be something else tomorrow. Like, so I need, so just trying to teach her, like yeah. once this is gone, like you won't have it to spend That's again. It. Um, but it's, it's amazing. They are watching. My, yes. my daughter says to me, <laughs> I know it's I,
1: scary."
0: my, my husband <laughs> might listen to this, but well, my, my daughter says to me, she, she knows I'm the money person. And she makes comments like, you know, like, yeah, I know you have a lot of money. And like, and I'm like, I mean, I do all right. Like, you know. And she was like, you don't spend your money, but daddy spends his money. And I'm like, well, I mean. Wow. I know. She literally said.
1: It's true. No, but they do. They pick it up. Like um, our water dispenser and our refrigerator wasn't working for a while. And so we were just buying like, you know, the bigger gallon jug mm-hmm. things. And so we finally got it fixed. And my daughter came in. And she was like wow, I mean, we were losing so much money having to buy these things every week. And I didn't even realize she was picking that up. But clearly, I must yes. have said that at some point. Yes. And she was like, this is so great. Now I can save all this money. And I was like, it's interesting, right? But you don't realize how much they are paying attention, right? How much they're picking up at, you know, because what? Your daughter's what five, Layla's seven, my daughter's seven. It's yep. just, they pick it up so young. Yep. Um, and so if you can start with that, it, you know, it, it makes a huge, it makes a huge difference if they're picking it up and they know, it. <laughs> but fine. I used to okay, right. Man, what's getting it? it. Red, right. Reps. It's all about reps. Yeah. 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 She's got time. She's got time. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, um, I want to ask, um, our four fast questions yes. they are just sort of rapid fire. So first thing that comes to mind, uh, so number one, what's one tip the listeners can do right now to get study get started on their money or investing journey?
0: I think the the first thing is like knowing who you are, right? Knowing what matters to you, knowing what's your risk tolerance. Are you risk averse? Are you risk neutral? Are you risk seeking? Yeah, knowing what your goals are. Like, am I am I going to work for so many years and? I- risk and and I just want to, just, to get these yeah, Vanguard yeah. ETFs and call it a day. Like, that's fine, but knowing who you are um, is something that you can do right now. And if you've done that and you feel really good about it, knowing what you got, what's coming in and what's going mm-hmm. out is uh, close number two.
1: Yeah, that's huge. What has been the biggest influence in your journey to creating a wealthy life?
0: the biggest one would have to be um my dad so my dad would lay out on the floor so i i got his temperament quite a bit and 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 his sense about money and and i could just see him laying in the floor balancing his checkbook so old school right um like (laughs) legit balancing his checkbook but he Mm. always like had um just enough savings for what he needed. And he also leveraged credit responsibly to make sure that his family mm-hmm. could do all the things that they needed to do. And I just think those foundations yeah. gave me a really sturdy foundation for me to go, okay, next step. Okay, what happens mm-hmm. after that? Okay, what happens after that? So yeah, my dad. Shout out, Big Rich.
1: awesome. <laughs> my dad was very similar Um, what do you most want other moms like you to know
0: that you are worth it that you literally have Have. the power to curate your life and to create the life that you want and you're worth having and that life that you want, like you, in order for, you know, they talk about moving from a scarcity mindset to a growth mindset. It really comes down to how you value yourself and what you believe you're worth. And just changing that opens up the world to you. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm worth these mm-hmm. wonderful goals and these doing it bigger and like, and, but you have to believe it and you have to know it. In your soul. Um, so practice, and, and it might take some rest, like some practice, but practice it. If you get your affirmation, mm-hmm. get you, but you are worth
1: all the things, the good things, anyway. I love that. I love that. <laughs> what does being an independent mom mean to you?
0: So I love your definition of independent mom because it doesn't focus on just stacking paper just to have money in the bank or, you know, to have wealth. It's literally about, um, creating and curating your life. And me spending five weeks in the DR last year opened up to like, Oh, I like to travel. I mean, I was in the I was in the Peace Corps. And I want to spend, you know, summers, Like, I want to spend a month or whatever in the summer with my daughter and and travel around the world. And so money and will give me the freedom in order to create those Mm. types of experiences. And wealth will help me not flinch when my daughter says she wants to be an artist instead of a lawyer or a doctor.
1: Hmm. That's so powerful. That is so true. Yeah. My husband still able to Truly follow. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But truly follow what you want. Right. That I think is such a core part of it. Uh, Stephanie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. What is next for you? What, what are, what's, what, where, how can we learn more about you?
0: Yeah. So I am all in on Margins Capital. We are trying really hard to give everyone, like I said, just, Uh, bite-sized bits of information that's easy to consume in passing. So you can follow us at Margin's Capital on Instagram and TikTok. Um, We are going to be investing a little bit on YouTube shorts as well, but for now, Instagram, TikTok, and also you can go to our website and join our wait list, marginscapital.com um and you can join our newsletter and our wait list and we will certainly keep you up to date with our with our wonderful journey to
1: provide access
0: to black yes. and brown people and
1: women that want it i love that and we will definitely link to all of those in the show notes please go get on the wait list if you've ever thought about investing This is how we start to get smarter and really grow our wealth and think about money in a totally different way. So I appreciate you coming on, explaining all of this and talking us through your journey. So thank you so much. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you for joining me today and tuning in to an episode of the Independent Mom Podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, rate and review the podcast your feedback would mean the world to me. And until next time, please know that I appreciate you for lending me your time and your ears, and I will catch you in the next episode.